so much, Brother Stanley, for that. Isn't it good to be able to meet some folks who are going on our behalf around the world, sharing the gospel, and what a blessing it is to hear what God is doing through them. Appreciate them being with us this morning, and the blessing of song, what an encouragement that was. Let's take our Bibles this morning, turn to the Old Testament, Psalms chapter 119, and I want you to look down, if you would, to about verse number 159. When you find it, let's stand together. Psalms 119, verse 159. Uh, it is good to see you here today. I hope you're glad to be here. If you're visiting with us, thank you so much for coming. I hope you've been made to feel welcome. Be sure to fill out that visitor's card. And I pray the service will be a blessing to all of us today if we'll open our hearts. I know God has what we need. And boy, what a blessing it was studying this out as we continue our series today on defending against the fall. Defending against the fall. Psalms 119. We're going to start in verse 159. We could have started in just about any verse, but uh, I think 159 will give us a good context as we read down about five or six verses. The Bible says, Consider how I love thy precepts. Quicken me, O Lord, according to thy loving kindness. Thy word is true from beginning, and every one of thy, thy righteous judgments endureth forever. Princes have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart standeth in awe of thy word. I rejoice at thy word. There's those two words repeated again, as one that findeth great spoil. I hate and abhor lying, but thy law do I love. Seven times a day do I praise thee because of thy righteous judgments. Now, verse 165 is going to be our key text today. Watch closely. The Bible says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Let's pray now and ask the Lord to help us. Father, thank you for your word today, and Lord, what a wonderful chapter we have here in Psalms that talks about thy word, the importance of it, the grandeur of it, Father, the protections that come from it, and Lord, I pray that we'd be focused this morning and attentive as we look at just one. Uh, Lord, as we look at defending against the fall, Lord, this tide that's turning away from God, I pray that, Lord, we'd see how verse 165 is a key to helping us remain rooted and our families solid during this great apostasy we're going into in our country. If there's one lost here today, I pray that they would heed your word. They would hear it, respond to it, and trust Christ as their Savior, Father. They could know for sure that when they do die, that they're going to heaven. I pray that everything we do today would bring honor and glory to you. Help us be attentive, and Lord, help us respond to the invitation. For it's in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Two weeks ago, we introduced this series of defending against the fall and how our world is going through this great spirit of apostasy and easing into that. And last week, we looked how God has given us an anchor, a hope that keeps us where we need to be regardless of the conditions of the world that we're living in. And I don't think I have to convince you this morning that it's going that way. I honestly don't think I have to stand here this morning and tell you things are not getting better, they're getting worse. I honestly don't think I have to make the argument today that we are quickly and rapidly turning away from God and even in a lot of instances running away from God. It didn't take me long this week as I began to look and to populate a list of things that are going on in our world that are completely anti-God. It didn't take me long to find several examples I'll give you here this morning. Uh, just recently, a Democrat delegate from Baltimore by the name of Terry Hill introduced legislation to remove the word God from the Maryland Constitution, to just entirely go through and scrub that, the word God, out of their Constitution. 
uh, as our country and hopefully the whole world, but I know in America we're all about uh, the Christmas holidays. And as we prepare for that, several companies have already come out and made it clear that they'll not be celebrating or promoting the word Christmas this year. Uh, Rite Aid, Pharmacy, TJ Maxx, Dick's Sporting Goods, PetSmart, Family Dollar, and I could give you on and on. Many companies have already come out and said that they will not be acknowledging Christmas. They'll be acknowledging the holiday season. We are quickly scrubbing God from any reference in American society today. When former governor of New York, uh, Cuomo, was asked about COVID and defeating COVID, he says the numbers came down because we brought them down. He says, God did not do that. Faith did not do that. Destiny did not do that. We did that. Very quick to say and to take credit for something that God spared us of. As you get online and you look at all the protests happening around our country, they're not just merely social issues. Uh, So many of the issues that we are facing in our country today are nothing less than an all-out assault on God, whether you realize it or not. Just for a few moments, I'll show you some pictures. We'll scroll through some protests that we've had around our country and signs that are being held up. Go ahead and show those, if you will, guys. Uh, Not that, not the tree. That's going to come here in just a few minutes. That was my fault for giving them to you backwards. I'll show you those pictures here in a minute. Life begins. uh, Go back to that last uh, shot, if you will. Life begins when you stand up against Christian fascists. Let's look at another one, Uh, another protest sign. This pastor is pro-choice. We have more. I'll show you right quickly before we get to the end. Hi, Mom. I'm an atheist, and I think we have another one from an atheist group. Uh, Keep your religion out of my government. It's very easily to see that when we look at our world and the country we're living in, these stances are not merely social issues. They are spiritual issues at root. And the reason we are fighting and battling for what our country's fighting for is because ultimately these things represent a holy and righteous God. And we cannot acknowledge a holy and righteous God because that means there will be a judgment of holiness and righteousness. That's why we can't acknowledge that. There cannot be a God, and he cannot be a holy God and a righteous God, because if he's holy and righteous, that's the standard by which we will be judged. Therefore, we have to just currently wipe him out of society. And we might protest him, and we might take him off of our stores during Christmas, but I can tell you this morning, that does nothing to erase the fact that one day, every one of us will stand before that righteous and holy God and give an account for unrighteous deeds and unholiness in our country. Therefore, we as the people of God must realize this current that's going away from God is something that's very real. It's very real. We see it happening in churches around the country, in homes around the country, to where we are slowly but surely being carried out to a sea of godlessness by this turning tide of apostasy in our country. Now, we're praying and preaching a series on how we defend against that. I'm thankful last week we looked at the anchor that we have as the hope. The hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ and trusting him as our Savior. By the way, there's very little chance that you're going to remain if you don't know for sure that you have an anchor in the hope of what Jesus did for you. You need to know that you've trusted Christ as your Savior. You have that hope. It will give you that anchor in this tide that we're going against. But we look at verse 165, and I'll hurry, but I want you to get this today. You need this. I need this. There's something else that secures us when the world and this series of apostasy seeks to overthrow us. Watch what verse 165 says. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Now notice the Bible says there's a safeguard 
And this safeguard comes with a guarantee. Now, the good news about God's guarantees are God guarantees them. And when God puts it in his word, the Bible says, forever, O Lord, is thy word settled in heaven. This is not up for debate. What we're reading about in verse 165 is a guarantee that's backed by almighty God. And the Bible says, notice what it works against in verse 165. The Bible says, and nothing shall offend them. Now, that word offend doesn't necessarily mean get your feelings hurt. Oh, we live in an offended society. The word offend simply means to fall or to stumble or to fall away. Now, what are we preaching against? Defending against the fall. The Bible says there's something in verse 165 that's a safeguard that will help us where nothing can make us fall or push us away. What is it? Well, it revolves around the very word of God. As you'll notice, Psalms 119, that's what it revolves around. Thy word, thy word, thy law, thy judgments, thy precepts. The Bible says it's good against everything because nothing shall offend them. Now, this safeguard requires us to do something that you've got to get today. Look, when we're speaking about the Word of God and loving the Word of God, this is not just a passing interest in the Word of God. This is coming to a place in your walk with God to where you have become rooted in the Word of God. Do you know what roots do? Roots hold that plant down and they keep it in place regardless of what come our way. You need roots this morning. Your family and your children, they need roots this morning. Look, I'm not just talking about you like the Word of God. I'm not just talking about you've memorized a few verses and have several copies laying around your house. I'm talking about one of the only hopes you have to keep your family, your life, and your testimony kept from being carried out to a sea of anti-God is being rooted in the very Word of God. And I fear this morning we're not that. In America, 87% of American homes, uh, 87, think about this number, 87% of American homes have a Bible. Now, I'm glad for that. But I want you to know this morning, just having a Bible and just knowing what the Bible says is not enough to make you rooted. So how do you know that? Well, let me give you another statistic. 87% of American homes have a Bible, but over 50% of American homes end in divorce. How do you add that up? If having a Bible was good enough, the divorce rate should be somewhere around 13%. Did I do my numbers right? If just having a Bible, which 87% of Americans do in their home, then there's no way we would have over 50% divorce rate in our home. Do you know what that tells me? That just having a Bible is not enough. And just memorizing a few verses is not enough. I'll give you another startling statistic. 69.5% of American homes have claimed to have consumed alcohol within the last calendar year. Alcohol, one of the greatest scourges on our planet. Scourge. 70% of our homes are inundated with that poison. Don't argue with me, it's a poison. And the Word of God says it's a poison. Now, wait a minute, how many percent of the homes have Bibles? 87% of American homes have Bibles, and yet 70% of the American homes are inundated with alcohol. Something's not adding up. Something's not adding up. Wait a minute, but, but they have a Bible. But we have a big one on the coffee table that we dust off before the preacher comes, right? The big family Bible with the pictures that are in it and Jesus and the little children on the front of it. It's not enough to have it. You can't just have a Bible. You can't, watch this, you can't just believe in the Bible. You say, whoa, wait a minute. 
Look, I believe in this Bible, but that doesn't mean I always do what it says. You've got to be rooted in the Bible. One more. 47% of American homes contain in their households right now pornographic material. 47%. So we have a divorce rate that's over 50%. Alcohol that's over 70%. And pornography that's over 40%. But wait a minute, 87% of us have a Bible. You see, it's not enough just to have one. You better be rooted in it. And I'm afraid when this spirit of apostasy moves through our country, as it already is, there's going to be more empty chairs in this room than you ever thought there would be. Do you know why? Because we had it. We weren't rooted in it. We weren't rooted in it. We had it. It was our dust off on Sunday morning accessory. This is a Sunday morning accessory only. That's what this is. This is not a life principle. This is an accessory. And you're going to find when that tide comes through, it's going to carry you out. There's more to it than just reading it. You've got to be rooted in it. And this morning, we're going to look at that subject, being rooted in the Word of God. Last week, we saw we have an anchor, and that anchor is in our hope. But now we see the Bible says we can be rooted, but we must be rooted in the Word of God. It doesn't work if you don't use it. Do you know 51% of car crashes involve people who are sitting on their seatbelts? Do you know that seatbelt, do you know what it's there to do? It's there to restrain you. It's there to keep you in your car when you're texting and driving and you run off in the ditch and it flips over. That seatbelt restrains you. Watch this. And it holds you in place. Now, I'm thankful my car has a Holy Spirit. It really does. It reminds me when I'm not buckled up. Number one, it's the ding, ding in my car. And then I have Holy Spirit number two, which is my daughter. Dad, put your seatbelt on. Dad, put your seatbelt on. I'm thankful for that. Why? Because if I were to get in an accident, I want to stay in the car. It's not good when you get ejected from the car. Now, hear me out. It's the same thing with the Word of God. This will keep you. This will keep, what does the old phrase say? The word of God will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from the word of God. Look, you better let this root you this morning and you better make up your mind. You're gonna be rooted in the word. Why? Because that tidal weight of apostasy is going to carry you and your family away from God. And one day you're gonna wonder what happened because you were not rooted. You had a Bible, but you were not rooted in it. This morning, I wanna show you the importance of that in verse 165 alone, okay? Look down, we're gonna start at the end of the verse, okay? Uh, We're going to just go word by word, but we're gonna start at the very end and work backwards. We're gonna see what it does, and then we're gonna look at how do we get there. So the last part of the Bible, uh, part of the verse 165 says this. The Bible says, nothing shall Offend them. Nothing. Nothing. Now, this being rooted in the word of God, the Bible says comes with this guarantee that nothing shall offend us. That word offend means to push us away or push us down, okay? Nothing's going to push us away from where we stand when we're rooted in the word of God. Can I tell you, when God says nothing, he means nothing. I don't believe that God was saying, well, I just said spoken general terms, you know. There's some things, hey, that'll get you out of my will. No, he said that when we are rooted in the word of God, nothing shall offend them. That's why, number one, notice, if you will, the power of being rooted. The power of being rooted. Now, realize the magnitude of the word nothing. I want you to think about that. The Bible says nothing. I looked it up in the Greek, and you know what it means? Nothing. I read it forwards, you know what it means? Nothing. I even read it backwards, and you know what it means? Nothing. 
It means nothing. That means this morning, watch this, I have hope and I have courage in the face of this tidal wave of apostasy because the Bible says if I'll just put my roots down in the word of God, nothing can uproot me. Nothing can uproot my home. Nothing can uproot my joy. Oh, what a guarantee this morning. Do you know all of what's out in the world that's trying to get you? I mean, look, I'm talking about real spiritual boogeymen. Kids, hold your ears because they're out there. They're real ones. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. What does it say? Go on. It says principalities and powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. Look, this is real, folks. This is the real boogeyman that's out there. Do you know the Bible says that when Satan was cast down, that the tail of the dragon took one-third of the angels with him? The Bible says those spirits have gone out in the world. You're thinking, what kind of a church am I at now? That's what the Bible says. Those false spirits, those false prophets are in the world, and they are there to help move you away from God. That's their goal. That's why they're there. So wait a minute. You've got principalities, power, spiritual wickedness in dark dark places, and then you have all of the false prophets that seek to uproot you away from God. Oh, you're thinking, man, I'm never coming out of my house again. Well, most of you never leave your house anyways. What are you worried about, you know? We're camped out, getting ready for the apocalypse in our basement with our shotguns and, uh, you know, in our water. Hear me out. The Bible says that none of those things can move you. None of them. None of them. That's the power of being rooted. I mean, listen to me. All the armies of hell are powerless against the child of God who through obedience grounds themselves and roots their life in the word of God. I mean, look, even those 87,000 IRS agents who were just hired cannot move you away from God if you choose and decide you're going to be rooted in it. I'm not just going to have it. I'm just not going to believe it. I'm not just going to memorize it. I am going to root my life in this book. Why? Because the Bible says nothing can move me when I do that. Nothing. Now, look, right now you're thinking, man, you're making a big deal about nothing. No, I'm making a big deal about something. And that something is my home remaining when that tidal wave of apostasy comes. Listen, that means our church staying in Hattiesburg where we can be a witness to this community, but we got to be rooted in the word. Look, you better not come for the preacher. I know you don't come for this one. You better not come because the chairs are soft and the music's good. You better come because this is where you get rooted in the word of God, and that's the power that's going to save your family. You see so many families caught up in all these things in our world. We're losing them right and left. All because, not because we didn't have a Bible. We just were simply not rooted in it. Look at verse 165. The Bible says nothing shall offend them. Can I tell you what Satan's desire is for your family? He wants to offend you away from God. Now look, I'm not just talking about getting your feelings hurt. That is just a surface offense, okay? Getting our feelings hurt. I'm talking about offend means causing you to stumble away from your faith. By the way, I think we could all probably go down a list this morning. We all know people this has happened to. That's why Proverbs chapter 3, verse 23, the Bible says, My son, let not them depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, so shall they be life unto thy soul and grace to thy neck. Listen close. Then thou shalt walk in thy way safely, and thy foot shall not stumble. Thy foot shall not stumble. I believe every parent in here this morning, you may not always like your kids, but I believe you love them. I believe every parent in here this morning has a heartfelt desire that your children not stumble. I don't want them to stumble. What did it say? That thy children, Proverbs 3.23, 
it says that thy walk in thy way safely. I mean, the thought that one day I'm going to be, not be on this planet to guide my daughter and give her advice and good dad jokes, you know, the thought of that just, that just bugs the fire out of me. But one day I want her to walk safely. And there's one day, listen, I don't want her to stumble. And that's not all about this morning, all of the trappings of the world that we seek to give them. The secret into that is getting our children rooted in the Word of God. I mean, the Word of God will be the best watchdog for your child. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin. You know what sin is? It's stumbling. Get the word of God in there. Why? Because that's what's going to keep them rooted when that spirit of apostasy comes. So Satan's desire is to do what? Offend you away from God. By the way, he has no preference of what it takes to offend you. Only that he offends you. He doesn't care. Look, if you want to get offended and get out of church and then after a while get away from God because you got mad at what color of the carpet the church was going to be, hey, he'll take it. He's like, that's all it took? Was you got offended by that? Somebody gave you a cross look and you got out of church and then subsequently got out of the will of God? Yeah, he'll take that. But then comes the sad part. I've seen so many people who've stumbled out of their faith because of grief I've seen the devil use grief. You go through a a trying time of your life. Maybe you lose a loved one. Uh, Maybe, God forbid, you lose a child, and that grief is so great. And slowly you get out of church, and after a while you get out of the will of God, and after a while you're bitter and you're angry with God. You know what happened? You stumbled at grief. It's very common. And we all have the susceptibility to that, by the way. Grief helps you stumble out of the will of God. I've seen people through sickness, believe it or not, physical sickness, Man, you get laid up in the hospital, you're not able to be to church. After a while, you get used to not being in church, physical sickness. Next thing you know, you start turning your back on God. You just don't feel like it anymore. Next thing you know, you haven't been in church in five years. What happened? Something caused you to stumble. It was a physical sickness. I've seen other people offend people. I've seen people get offended by disappointment. I've seen people get disappointed or are offended by sin and doubt and on and on and on. And then comes the fallout. Then comes the divorce. Then comes the rebellious teenager. Then comes the bitterness. It all follows. And I've said in so many homes, and I hate, man, I hate these visits. You're sitting in a home, and this home is in shambles. They have been uprooted, and they have been carried away by this temporal spirit of apostasy. And they'll look me in the eye, and they'll say so many times, this was not the plan. This was not the plan. This was not the way it was supposed to be. But somewhere they got offended. Somewhere they stumbled. Something caused them to stumble. We were in Atlanta a while back, and we pulled up to a red light, look out the left window of our, red li- of our car, and there was a lady sleeping on the sidewalk in the middle of Atlanta. I mean, it was this bad neighborhood. We were trying to get to the Ikea my wife wanted to go to, and we look out the window, and there's this lady. She's literally sleeping on the concrete. I told my wife, one day I'd love to do an interview. I really would. I'd love to go to people that are in these tough spaces in their life, and I'd love to ask them what happened. I promise you that was not the plan. I promise you that that lady wasn't in high school one day and sitting there hoping to make good grades, go to college and become some. I promise you she never thought, you know what, that's my life's goal. I want to grow up and, and sleep on the streets of Atlanta. Something went wrong. Something went wrong. And as, as hard as that was to look at, as hard as that was to look at, I see homes every day like that. They're spiritually homeless. 
I see Christians that are wandering in and out of every wind of doctrine that the world has to offer. That was not God's plan. God had a, listen, God had salvation for them. God had a church for them. God had an opportunity to serve for them. That was God's plan for them. But somewhere they got offended. Somewhere something caused them to get out of the will of God and slowly get away from God and get to a place where they even deny the faith. Folks, can I tell you this morning, you're probably thinking, I've been in this church 40, 50 years. Ain't nobody getting me out of here. What's the old Baptist motto? Like a tree planted by the waters, I shall not be moved. But you're rooted in your tradition. That ain't gonna hold you for nothing. The devil's got this wave coming your way, and the only thing that's going to help you is to be rooted. What does it say? Nothing shall offend them. Bob Vernon, he was a uh, 38-year veteran at the LAPD, wrote a book called Peacemaker in Blue. And it's a really neat book about how a man of faith juggled honoring his faith, honoring his God, but honoring his duty as a policeman, honoring his duty as a father. Uh, and he had this really neat thing that he did where he would take his new cadets into uh, the uh, shooting range and he would put their bulletproof vest on mannequins and then he would let them shoot the bulletproof vest. Kind of fun, right? He said, I want you to know this bulletproof vest is gonna hold you. I want you to know it's going to protect you. You can trust it no matter what. And after a few years, he thought to himself, I think I'm going to up the ante just a little bit. After they shot the vest, he said, okay, here's what I want you to do. Now go take the vest off of the mannequin and you put the vest on and we're going to run the second set of experiments. He said he turned around and the room was empty. People checked out. Some of them, according to his book, some of them had even resigned. (laughs) They're like, no, I don't want any part of that. Now, they believed it, didn't they? They didn't believe it that much. (laughs) They're like, I believe it's going to work, but I'm not sure it's going to work that much. When they had to put their life on the line, they're like, oh, I ain't sure about that anymore. I think that's how we are with the word of God. We believe it. But when it comes time to really put it on and get rooted in it, we don't believe it that much. Why? Because it's going to change our life. And we don't want it to change our life that much. Let me give you some encouragement from the word of God. Look, stick with me today, okay? I'm trying to help your family and your home. I'm trying to help our church, okay? The book of Job, we know Job very well. We know his story, so I'm not gonna take a lot of time giving you background. But I want you to think about what he went through. Job went through grief. He lost 10 children at one time. Job went through physical pain. He was stricken with boils. Job went through what was virtually betrayal of his friends. Grief, pain, and betrayal, that will offend anybody. Let you get betrayed, all of a sudden you become a different person, right? Let you get mad. Man, somebody do you wrong, all of a sudden that sweet little old lady that you were, next thing you know, man, you're just wolfing out on them. What happened? Man, you got offended. Somebody betrayed me. Job went through the loss of 10 children. He was betrayed, went through physical pain. And by the way, he did it alone because even his wife was not standing with him. You know what Job did? He says, forget this church stuff, forget this God stuff. I've tried to be right, perfect, upright, fear God, skewed evil. I've tried to do all of this, and look where it got me. Forget this. And Job just storms away from God. Nope. The Bible says that Job didn't charge God foolishly. He said, blessed be the name of the Lord. Can I tell you what happened to Job? He was rooted. He was rooted. So how do you know that? Because Job said, I esteem the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. He says, I need to be rooted in his word more than I need to eat. And when the tidal wave of grief and pain and betrayal and loneliness came his way, he was unshakable. I don't know about you, but that's what I want. 
I want to get to a place in my walk with God where I'm so rooted in his word, you can't hurt my feelings. By the way, Bobby Robertson said this years ago, uh, pastor, Gospel Light Baptist Church, Walkertown, North Carolina, for uh, I think almost 60 years, or, or at 60 years. He says, by the way, I think I told you this the other day, he says, when you keep getting hurt and your feelings hurt, it simply means you're not dead enough. Yeah, I know it's going to get quiet on that one. We're not dead enough. We're supposed to die daily, die to the flesh. But man, wouldn't it be great if nobody in this building could offend you? No pain, no grief, nor sorrow could offend you. I had two members tell me this in the last two weeks, and it just blesses my heart. They says, try to run us off. Try to run us off. I said, well, look, I know it's going to be tough and it's going to be hard. He said, just try to run us off. This is where God wants us to be. We're rooted here and no difficulty, no turmoil, no confusion is going to scare us off. Oh, my goodness. That blesses a pastor's heart more than anything. It's hard for a pastor to preach, feel like he's got to tiptoe around all these things that we feel all the time. Psalms 1, verse 1 through 3, real quickly. All right, now the missionary took some of my time, okay? So I'm still on, on clock, all right? You, look, if I go long today, you blame the missionary. It's not my fault. Psalms 1, 1, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Wait a minute, how did he get planted? His delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law doth he meditate day and night. He's rooted Somebody put on Facebook the other day as a quote by Spurgeon. It's a great one. A Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. Let that sink in. A, a Bible that's falling apart, the word of God, God's word, God's truth, belongs to somebody whose life isn't. We first got married, Leslie and I, some friends invited us to a haunted house. What a dumb idea, but we decided we wanted to go. You know, we're a young couple, we want to do something fun. And Leslie's like, look, look, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. They reach out. They put their hands on me. It's just, I'm just being honest. It's going to get bad. I'm like, all right, all right. So I go and talk to my friend who had the haunted house. That, Seth, that big old house in Bassfield, that old convent that was there. It's a creepy place. And I went to my friend. I said, look, I'm going to go and tell you. Look, touch my wife. Look, you know, she's going to hurt you. I'm just telling you, she's going to hurt you. He said, oh, don't worry about it. He said, they're going to come after you with chainsaws and all this, and, and they're going to come after you with all this and that and that. But the rule is they can't touch you because of the laws and, and, and lawsuits, so they can't touch you. I said, so wait a minute. So you're going to come at me with chainsaws and ugly faces and, you know, probably some of those IRS agents too. They're going to come after you in the middle of all of that. But you ain't going to touch me? He said, yeah. So I went back to my wife. I said, hey, I talked to the guy in charge. The guy in charge says, they can't touch you. And so we walked through. Yeah, they jumped out with chainsaws with no, you know, chain. They're chasing all this. But it didn't bother me that much. You know why? Because the guy in charge told me they can't touch me. The guy in charge said they can't touch me. The devil's going to come after you with chainsaws of peer pressure. He's going to come after your kids with all of this tidal wave of scary, scary things that happen to you if you try to live for God, watch this. I've talked to the one in charge, and he says they can't touch you. They can't touch you. The Bible says, great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. That means, listen to me, the best thing you can do for your child is make sure that not only do they have a Bible, but that they're rooted in the Bible. The best thing you can do for your home is to make sure you get in this book. We've even started our family devotions lately. 
We've had devotions for years on end. We haven't missed a night unless we were sick. We started just recently getting deeper. A kid is 15, going on 16, going on 17, going on 18, going on 30. You know, and even though she's going to be that first Baptist nun that stays at home the rest of her life, she's still got to go to Walmart, and I can't always be there. You know what we're doing? We're trying to root her. Get her rooted in that word. Why? Because I'm not always going to be there. Quickly. Think about Noah. Think about Noah. God says to this man, hey, I want you to take you and your family. I want you to build this boat in the middle of nowhere in a place that's never rained. And I'm going to let you and your family get on board, and only your family is going to survive. Could we just go ahead and decide that they probably faced doing something very unpopular in the culture they were living? We agree with that? So how do you know that? Well, nobody else got on board, so I kind of figured that it was unpopular. We know they were ridiculed. Watch this. Here's the dirty word. They even had to labor physically for what they believed in. I know that's a dirty word in ministry. But they had to work to do what God called them to do for a hundred years. But they didn't waver. Why? Well, God made Noah a promise in Genesis 6.18. But with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt make an ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. What kept Noah going when they ridiculed him? I remember what God said. I'm rooting my family in what God said. You see, that's the power of roots. That's the power of roots. You say, well, I want some of those. I'm glad you asked. They're free. Watch this. 165, how do you get these roots? Well, we're starting from the back, working toward the, the, the front. The Bible says nothing shall offend them. Well, who are these people that are not getting offended or knocked away from the will of God? The Bible says they are they that love thy law. They which love thy law. He's showing us what we need to do in order to remain. Loving thy law is number two. That's the process of being rooted. The power of being rooted is the fact that nothing can knock you out of the will of God. The process of being rooted, the Bible says, love thy law. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I chewed on this verse for about two weeks. I've read it. I've preached out of it so many times, trying to figure out how do we do this, but how do we love thy law? I mean, I love my Bible. I do. I do. When I go on a trip somewhere, my Bible goes in my personal luggage, okay? It doesn't just go in my check bag. I like keeping it near me. I like my Bible. You know, don't mess with it. I know preachers that give away their Bibles. I'm too carnal for that. I'm not giving you my Bible. I like my Bible. But but there are still times I drift away from God, so there's got to be more to it, correct? I mean, half of us or maybe all of us today would say, hey, if we went around the room, don't raise your hand and say, you know what, who loves the Bible? I think we would all raise their hand, at least out of peer pressure, right? Yeah, we don't want to look like the atheist in our room. You know, oh, yeah, I love my Bible. All 15 or 16, however many I got of them. And yet so many of who say we love the word of God, we get offended by it. You know, a lot of times you get mad at me. You're really not mad at me. You're just smart enough not to be mad at God. That's the truth, okay? Now, sometimes you can be mad at me because I'm human. I'm sure I make mistakes, and I I know I hurt people's feelings sometimes, and I hate that. But most of the time, can I tell you what it is? You're really mad at God, but you're like, that would be dumb to be mad at God. So I'm going to be mad at the guy who's talking about God, okay? And I totally get that, all right? Kind of comes with the job a little bit. But wait a minute. If we love it, how can we be offended by it? So here's what I did. I started studying out love. I'm thinking, we must not understand what this love is about, 
Because if we loved it the way we should, the Bible says nothing would offend us. And so I start studying love. We've all heard these things before. There's three or four loves in the Bible, depending on how you count them. We have phileia, we know, that is brotherly love. Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, all right? So phileia, that's brotherly love. And then we have eros. We know this one. It is a sensual, physical love. And then if you look at the fourth one, uh, it's agape. We know that well. It's an unconditional love. And then we have storge. That is a family love. So I'm looking down and I'm sitting in the parking lot while Leslie's in the store. And I'm like, okay, I still don't get it. You say, I need to love thy law. Which love are you talking about? He says, no, 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 zoom out a little bit. And then I saw something I've never really noticed before. Whether it's brotherly love, physical love, familial love, or the unconditional love of God, do you know what love is? Love is a bond. Love is a bond. Watch. Some of you men have been in the military, and we're thankful for that. We appreciate you. Uh, those guys that served together in the military, they had that phileia love, that brotherhood. You military guys, you make one of you mad, you make all of you mad. Unless you have the Army and the Marines talking about each other, well, then it's a different story because that's, that's a different relationship altogether. It's a brotherhood. They are bonded. They're bonded. Stick with me, okay? Stick with me, all right? We have that familial love. It is a family tie. It's a bond. It's a bond. You know the old thing where, you know, I can talk about my family, but you can't talk about my family? I learned that in public school, you know? You got a guy over there, man, and next thing you know, you're getting there in a fight with this guy, and all of a sudden his family comes up, and it's on now. You're like, wait a minute, I didn't offend all of you. Well, you offended him, so you offended us. I, I have seen people, this is no joke, in marriage counseling before, you know, having this argument, this fight, this family feud going on, and the wife's calling the husband a jerk, and the, uh, the husband's calling the wife this and that and the other, and, and then all of a sudden somebody comes up to defend the wife. Yeah, he is a jerk. And she turns to them and says, you can't call my husband a jerk. And you're sitting back as a pastor, you're thinking, I'm either a referee or the, you know, the, the ringmaster at a circus. I can't tell what's going on here. What is that? It's a family bond. Stick with me. Even with the physical attraction, there's a physical bond. So love is a binder. Stick with me. Love is a binder. That when you love something the way you're supposed to love it, you are bound to it. There is a connection to it. There is a commitment to it. It's not just on the surface. Those roots run deep. So when the Bible says... Great peace have they which love thy law. He's not just talking about loving your Bible. He's talking about being rooted in it. That there is a bond to it. That you are bound to it. You are committed to it. So I decided to put that hypothesis to the test. I'm sitting in the parking lot while Leslie's in the store and I have my laptop and I'm working through and I'm, I'm, I'm looking up how many times in scripture you find the word love and the word keep commandments together. It's amazing. 35 times in scripture. The Bible speaks of loving God first and keeping his commandments second. Because love is a commitment to keep. You see, a lot of us say we love the Bible. Here's what I'm afraid. I'm afraid you just like the Bible. How many times do we tell to our kids, Mom and Dad, I just, I'm in love. I am in love with this guy. I'm in love with this girl. You're like, no, you're not. You're in like. You know why? Love's a commitment. Man, I'm in love with this guy. He's the most beautiful. By the way, don't use beautiful describing a guy. 
You know, this, I know it's 2022, but use handsome, all right? Rugged, masculine, all right? Girls, that's the kind of guy you want. Not the man bun stuff and the skinny jeans, all right? So you got this guy, and you're looking at this guy, and you go, man, I am in love with him. And you write it on everything. It's in your locker. It's in your diary. I mean, you've written on the back of your eyelids, so you'll see it when you're sleeping. I am in love with, you may even spray painted an overpass, the ultimate statement of love in Mississippi. Spray paint an overpass or a water tower. That's, that's the pinnacle right there. Next week, I talk to these kids. Hey, I, you know, how's that going? <sighs> a jerk. You know, he forgot my birthday and all this. You see, it wasn't love. Love's a commitment. Love's a bond. When you just like something, it's just when you have a close relationship for a little while. I'm afraid that describes our relationship with the Word of God more than anything. We like it. And we'll go to it in emergencies, but we don't love it. Why? We're not bound to it. We're not committed to it. You think about this. Christ gave Peter a litmus test in John 21. Peter had denied Christ three times, correct? The risen Savior sitting on the shore. Peter swims over to him. They're sitting there getting ready to have fish. And Peter, he says to Peter, Simon, Simon, lovest thou me more than these? What is he asking him? Simon, do you love me? Do you love me? So Peter says, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he asked him again, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He asked him three times. And boy, Peter's heart's getting grieved. That's like when your spouse asks you, do you love me? By the way, that ought to hurt. <laughs> like, you know that I love you. But what did Christ say at the end of all three questions? Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. You see, love is not a declaration. Love is a dedication. He says, Peter, you denied me three times. You say you love me, but you denied me three times. All right, if you really love me, feed my lambs. That's a commitment. He says, feed my lambs. You go on and read. He told Peter, you're going to die for your commitment to me. And he looks over and says, well, what's this guy going to do? He's human too. I call Peter the human apostle. He was so human. He says, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Commitment. Hey, if you really love me, Peter, you're going to feed my lambs. If you really love me, Peter, you're going to follow me. Is that not why the word of God says, if you love me, keep my commandments? He's saying, if you're committed to me, if you're bonded to me, look, if you can walk out of here today and you go by and get you a drink on the way home, pick you up some pornography on the way home and never come back to the house of God, I'm afraid you weren't in love with God. You just liked him a lot. Why? Because you have this loose relationship without a commitment to him. Now, I know this is not popular. That's why it got so quiet just a moment ago, but it's still the truth, amen? The Bible says, great peace have they which love my law, thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Now, stick with me. The best illustration of this is Christ. We talk about the love of God and the love of Christ, and that's great talking about it, but do you ever go in and look at it? Do you ever look at what the love looked like? The Bible says in Romans 5, 8, that Christ loved us while we were yet sinners. Watch. My sin did not keep him from dying for me. My sin did not offend him to keep him from me because his love for me was greater than my sin. His commitment to me was so great, his love for me, that he was willing to come down and die for the ones who put the nails in his hands. What a love. 
He's walking into Gethsemane where all the powers of darkness gang up on him. He's going to be beaten. He's going to be crucified. The crown of thorns on his head. What kept him going? I'll tell you what it was. It was an obligation. It was love. For God so loved the world that he gave. How did God give us his son? He loved us. You see, that's what love is. It's not having a copy of the word of God. Not memorizing a few verses. It's being rooted in the word of God. But now we have a problem. If you get anything, get these next few minutes, okay? We have a problem. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, the Bible says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We live in a world that hates absolutes. But buddy, you're not going to find a more absolute than that one. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You know what that tells me? I can't do both. Is that what it says? I can't do both. Do you know why? Because love's a commitment. Try to have two wives. It ain't going to work. One or both of you are going to die. Two out of three ain't going to make it through that relationship. It ain't going to work. Try to have two husbands. not going to work. You can't be committed to both. Now watch this. This is why you're not rooted in the word. Because if you're rooted in the word, you can't be rooted in the world. And you're like, I know that's true, and I believe what that preacher's saying, and it's right there in print, black and white, red and white, it's in there. And man, I want to do that so bad. But if I put my roots down in here, I can't put my roots down in there, and so I'm just going to keep my options open. And you're going to get carried out to sea in apostasy. Because you know what? If you put your roots down in this, it's going to change you. Man, I want to go over here. I had Brother Zach run to Walmart for me this morning. You never know what your pastor's going to ask you to do on a Sunday morning. I said, Brother Zach, can you go to Walmart? He said, yes. Yeah. Can you get me a plant? He said, yeah. And he brought me back this really cool, I don't know what it is, plant. This is a pretty plant. Don't know what it is. I will probably kill it because that's what I do with plants. It's in a nice pot. But this plant is not rooted in the ground even though it looks well and it's alive right now, it's not rooted in the ground. I can carry this plant wherever I want to carry it. I can put it wherever I want to put it. Now watch this. The Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You can't do both. You know, you might look good and you might clean up really nice, but you're not rooted and this thing can be carried anywhere. It can be carried away. But you know what? Look, on Sunday morning, we come and we sit in our chair. And we look good in our chair. And we're in church. And wait a minute, we even have our Bible. Oh, there we are. In church, looking good. And we got our Bible. It's not rooted. I can still carry it. And then tomorrow, here's what you're going to do. Tomorrow, you're going to come over here to the world. And you're going to come over here with these people over here. You're going to hang out with those people over there a little bit. Why? Because you know what? It's Sunday's over. I don't have to be spiritual, but one day a week, you know. So we go over here. And now we're going to be over here with the world for a little while. We keep going back and forth, back and forth. Can I tell you what's going to happen? That tidal wave's coming through, and this is your child. This is your home. This is your testimony. 
and it's going to carry you as far away from God as you ever thought possible. And then you're going to come sit in my office and you're going to say, why did my teenager do that? How it happened to my home and all this, that, and the other. I said, you kept playing games. You never would get rooted in the word of God because you wanted to go back and forth. You see, this pot, I thought about it this morning. This pot is your comfort zone. If I want to put this in the ground, I got to take it out of this pot and I got to put it in the ground. But man, if I get out of there, I'm out of my comfort zone and now I can't be free to go back and forth. You're going to get caught. It's going to catch you. The wave's going to come through. It's going to grab your children. It's going to grab your home. It's going to grab your testimony. And all of a sudden, your life is in shambles because you chose not to be rooted in the word of God. You said, I want to play both sides just a little while. You're not going to make it. I hate to tell you that. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14 warns us that ye henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. You see, the danger of not being rooted of not getting in the word, the danger is when the wind begins to blow a different way, you go where the wind blows because you're not rooted. There's all kinds of cults out there, false doctrines. I told you about the false prophets in the world, and you see people getting blown back and forth. We were in California a couple of weeks ago. Brother AJ, run over a, 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 a tumbleweed out there. I mean, how cool was that? Tumbleweed blown across the road. We don't have those around here. You know, that tumbleweed once was safe from the wind that blows when it was rooted. And one day it came unrooted and now it just blows where the wind blows. That's what's gonna happen to you and your home and your children if you don't get rooted in the word of God. Showed you a picture a few minutes ago of a tree. Do you guys have that picture right quick before we close? This is a picture at a restaurant on the coast, a place called Mary Mahoney's. We ate there a while back, never eaten there, but they, they told me about it. So we went there and we ate and That tree there, they say that tree is 2,000 years old. How they know, I don't know. I don't know that trees have birth certificates, but they say that's 2,000 years old. And so I believe them. As you walk around the complex there at Mary Mahoney's in Gulfport, they have these lines up on the fascia board, lines on the inside of the buildings where the water line was for Katrina and Camille. That tree outlasted both of those horrific hurricanes. Do you know why? This is really easy. It was rooted. It was rooted. The wind blew, the waves crashed, but that tree has stood, according to them, for 2,000 years. It was unshakable. It was rooted. It was rooted. Mom and Dad, that's what you want your kid to look like in a few years. That's what you want your home to look like, this church to look like. But you've got to decide, I'm fixing to get out of the pot of my comfort zone And I'm going to put down some roots in the word of God, no matter what, because I want to last. I want to make it. I want my kids to make it. I want my home to make it. The process of being rooted is simple. It's learning to love his law. And we're not talking about, oh, I just love the Bible and I love No, no, no. To where you are bound to it and you are committed to it because love is a binder. Finally, the last part says nothing shall offend them. (laughs) That even includes the preacher. Nothing shall offend them. All right, so how do we get there? Well, we do it by loving his law. But I want to show you something amazing. I want you to try to imagine if you knew the trouble was coming but knew that it couldn't touch you, what would it produce in your life? Come on, this is not a hard one, okay? If you knew 
that if you put down roots in the word of God and this tidal wave of apostasy is coming your way, but that tidal wave could not move you, how would you feel? Well, I think you would probably feel what the first part of verse 165 says. I think you'd feel great peace. That's the product of being rooted. That's the product of being rooted. I'm afraid this morning the reason we don't have peace in our life is we know we're not rooted. I believe that. I'm not saying that to be mean, but I believe that. We don't have peace. We're worried. We're scared. What's going on in our world? We know we're not rooted. We're worried about our kids. Listen to me. I love you, but I want to tell you the truth. We're worried about our kids, but we know we haven't rooted them. We know they're not. We see them picking up the trends of the world and TikTok and all on Instagram. We see all of that stuff. You see the world plastered all over them. And we know they're not rooted. That's why we don't have peace in our life. The product of being rooted is peace. Peace. Yesterday I got to do something I've never got to do before. And I think it technically counts on my bucket list. I got to ride a hot air balloon. Thank you, by the way, to all of those who went out yesterday. I passed it over a thousand tracks uh, yesterday at the um, hot air balloon festival. So they had these rides last night. I'm like, okay, I want to ride. I've always been afraid of hot air balloons because they're kind of at the mercy of the wind. You know, if a good gust comes through, it carries you off. And next thing you know, you're a missionary in Bangladesh because hot air, you know. But they said, these rides are tethered. I said, all right, explain. They said, well, the balloon has these three ropes coming from it. And the three ropes are hooked to three different trucks. And so the balloon goes up and the balloon comes down. I said, so that's, that's, that's it? Up, then down, not up, up, up. It goes up and then down. Yeah, that's the way it does. I said, hey, I think I want to ride that. Now, I've always been kind of afraid to ride in a hot air balloon because they're so vulnerable up there. I mean, what if a, a sharp-beaked pigeon flies through there, blows it up, and you die? I mean, I think about stuff like this, don't you? I walked around, and I looked at the trucks, good trucks, good trucks. It was hooked to. I looked at the men. Did a breathalyzer on them. They hadn't been drinking. They were good. All right, you're good. You're holding the rope. You got the rope. You got the rope. Good, good, good. All right. I asked Miley and Braden and Kayla, you want to go up with me? You know, it's always good just to go as a group. We go as a group. We die as a group. We get in the basket. It starts lifting off. Woo, you know. Started easing on up. I kind of enjoyed it. Might even do it again. As long as the ropes were there. Watch. It was anchored. It was rooted, and I knew it was not going anywhere. And so when I went up there, I wasn't worried anymore. Now I have peace, peace. Mom and dad, you could have peace. Husband, wife, you could have peace. But you've got to be rooted. You've got to get, look, you've got to get committed to this. You just simply need to decide whether you believe it or not. The brother sang about it a moment ago, about believing. I don't think we understand what believing is. I think we believe that this is the word of God, but I don't think we're rooted in it. And that's why we don't have peace in our life. Folks, this morning, I don't know about you, but I believe there is a spirit of apostasy already entered into our world and our country. And I believe it's targeting our homes, our children, our churches. In a group of this size, no doubt, there'll be some that are carried out in it. No doubt. There's just no doubt. There's too, there's too many in here. I wish not, but you're not going to take this seriously, and you're going to be like this plant. You're going to look good. You're going to show up to church, and you're going to sit here, and you're going to go over, and you're going to play games with the world for a little while, and then next, maybe Wednesday night, you're going to come back, and you're going to sit here, but you never got rooted in the Word of God, and when that wave comes through, you're gone. The devil's going to kick your kids down the street. 
All because this was just, you know, this was good, but hey, look, don't get carried away with it because it just might change your life. God forbid that. Can I tell you, folks, the Bible's simple. It says, great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. There's power in being rooted, but the process is learning to love it and the product is having peace. Wouldn't you love to have peace today? You know, if that hot air balloon had broken loose, went up about 5,000 feet and then the pigeon hit it, and I'm careening toward the earth in my basket with Braden and Kaylee and Miley. I'm like, well, in just a few seconds, we're going to be with Jesus. <laughs> as much as I would be terrified, I would have peace in my heart knowing where I was going. Can I tell you why? There was a time in my life, somebody asked me if I knew for sure if I died, I was going to heaven. I said, no, I don't know. They took the word of God and shown me, showed me that I was a sinner in need of a savior, but that savior invited me to know him personally. And I remember the day in the place that I knelt down and I said, okay, okay, if, if you said it, I believe it, and I'm putting my hope, my faith, my trust in you and what you said, and right now I'm rooted in his word and you can't scare me with death. I don't want to die, but you can't scare me. Because I'm rooted in it. Are you rooted in the word this morning? Do you know without a shadow of a doubt if you died right now, you're going to heaven? Do you know that? So, well, I think, no, no, look. Eternity is a long time to regret something you thought. You need to know where you're going. If you're saved, can I ask you something? Do you love this book? Yeah, I love my, do you love his word? Are you bound to it, committed to it, putting roots in it, letting it change you to become more like Christ? If not, could I encourage you? Don't be just a pretty plant that sits in church and then tomorrow you're somewhere else. Get rooted in the word of God before that tidal wave comes. Heads are bowed this morning and eyes are closed. Let's stand together. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Can I ask you, number one, if you died right now, are you certain you're going to heaven? I'm not asking that question to embarrass you, I promise. I want you to know that if you died right now that you are going to heaven because you are rooted in the word of God. The Bible says that we believe on the name of the Lord Jesus that you may know that you have eternal life. We know that because we're rooted in his word. If you don't know that, why don't you step out? Nobody's looking around. Why don't you come down this morning? Somebody would love to take the word of God and show you how you can know that heaven's your home right now. You're here this morning and you're saved. Can I ask you, are you rooted in the word? I'm not talking about just liking it. Are you rooted in the word of God? That storm is coming. Why don't you decide this morning, I'm fixing to put down roots in this book. I'm not going to go back and forth that one day the trump of God sounds and catches me half in and half out. I'm putting down roots starting today. If I was you for the sake of my testimony, my children, and my home, I'd put down some roots today to defend against the fall. Father, I thank you today for your word. And Father, you made us a promise, and that promise comes with a guarantee that's backed by Almighty God, where you tell us that nothing shall offend us. Or not just hurt our feelings, but when hurt feelings come, it doesn't have to carry us out of your will. Because, Father, we're rooted in your word. Help us today, I pray, for the lost. Help them become rooted, Lord. Help them to get that anchor today. And for the saved, help us quit playing games, being just pretty plants, and put down some roots, Father, in your word that our families would be saved. Bless what I pray the invitation. Your will be accomplished in Jesus' name. Amen. Our heads are bowed and eyes closed just for a few minutes.
Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. This is not a game, folks. If you're worried more about how late it is, you're missing the point. And for faith to increase and have Remember, you can't do both. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You can't do both. But you cannot have By the way, Mom and Dad, your kids are watching you. And when your kids see you going back and forth, the pretty plant in church, and then going to the world tomorrow, you're teaching them a habit that's going to cost them. Is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid? It's not enough just to have it. You better be committed to it. Love is a bind. It binds us to it. We're committed to it. only be blessed and have peace and sweet rest as you yield him your body and soul. Would you walk with the Lord one day, when our children leave our home, word, and have peace I promise you on that day, you're going to wish you had peace. Knowing, I've helped root my child in the Word. They're rooted. Yes, there's a cruel world. Yes, it's hard. But my kid's rooted. I know they're rooted. I have a promise. Nothing shall offend them. and sweet rest as you yield him your body and soul. Amen. It's good to be in God's house. I'm always thankful to open God's word and get what I need. And I pray that you got what you needed this morning. Uh, sometimes I'm afraid that um, we come and we hear and it stirs us. But as the song says, we're stirred, but we're not changed. And one day it's all going to wash Pretending today is not going to matter one day when we've lost everything because when that tidal wave comes through, the Bible says it's a great falling away. You realize, you know what, I was just a pretty potted plant. wasn't rooted. I pray this morning you're rooted. If you're here today and you're not sure you're saved, hey, before you leave, why don't you hang around? We'd love to take the Word of God and show you how you can know that for sure. I'm thankful God gives this stuff, aren't you? To defend against the fall. But like that seatbelt, does no good if you don't use it. Amen. Brother Nate. Just a, a couple of quick reminders for this week. Tonight, after our evening service, we have our nacho night and bake sale. And this is um, directly following this service, and the evening service, excuse me, in the gymnasium. And we will be raising some money for our girls' volleyball team. And so uh, come out and support them. I'm sure that will be a fun time. And then uh, ladies that are planning to go to this year's Deep South Ladies Conference, that's in Theodore, Alabama, at Lighthouse Baptist Church, September 23rd and 24th. Um, if you would like to go to that, the last day to register is September 16th. 
and you can go to our uh, church center on the, on the app to register for that. And then as we've been mentioning, Junior League Soccer sign-up is now uh, ready, and you have till September 4th to register. The cost is $50 per child, and if you're interested in helping, you can see Brother AJ. And then this Tuesday night, we have our opening night for our Lady Raiders volleyball team, and come cheer, out, cheer on the girls against uh, New Life Christian. The JV game starts at 5, and the varsity game to follow. The admission cost is $5 per adults, $3 for alumni, and $2 for students. And then this Saturday, we are having a Sunday School Teachers Meeting and Master's Club uh, Teachers Meeting, excuse me, as we hear from Brother Ab Thomas, and he comes and teaches us how to teach. And so if you are part of uh, either of those ministries, the cost is $10 just for the material, and uh, we'll look forward to having a wonderful time there. Brother Zach. All right, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Sing it with me. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by His blood. Join heirs with Jesus as we travel this side.